0: Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak,
2: guys it's candace and kayla and we are directionally challenged oh yeah we thought we'd have it all figured out by the time we're in our 30s but surprise we don't we don't <laughs> no. no we
3: don't no, we don't and that's okay no. uh, but that is okay <laughs> kayla are you an adrenaline junkie i mean i would say yes typically but I don't know. I, I The older I get, the more I think I'm less of an adrenaline junkie. I think when I'm when I'm in my teens and 20s, uh, I felt like I could do anything. I have yet to skydive. Does that answer? Have you sca- done the big skydive?
2: No. 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 And I had a moment where I was like, oh, one day. And now I'm like, nope, uh, no. Safe I to say not you're not. Are you not, not an no. adrenaline junkie? No, like I, I will ride a roller coaster like a controlled adrenaline junkie. You know, like I can, I can handle a roller coaster. I'll go to a like a haunted house. Yeah, I would say you're not an adrenaline junkie if you're saying a (laughs) a haunted house. Like it's my the thing. Like I'm, I'm too terrified to take care of my rooster. Like he scares me. So Mm -hmm. that that's adrenaline to me is like having to herd a rooster into a chicken coop. That is that's like really fan of the flames of my I mean, day <laughs> so you're so cute when you right say now. adrenaline <laughs> <laughs> but it just blows my mind I mean not too long ago we talked about you know space travel and in just you know and we have tons of friends who will literally just on a random day be like I went skydiving and now yeah. I'm gonna go do you know just the wildest things and I would love to say that it it was motherhood that changed that, but I just don't think I've ever been much of an adrenaline kind of gal. Yeah, I
3: I agree with you just having known you for so many years, but I do think (laughs) motherhood also changes it because it's not just about you anymore. And it's about like, you know, you have another being to raise, but I mean, how good are you at go-karts? Would you say that you're pretty good at go-karts? Have we ever raced each other?
2: Part of me feels like we have. I, think I know I literally too. was gonna start our conversation by asking if you've ever been on a racetrack, but I but I didn't because I was like, I feel like have we done this together? I have you been on a racetrack? Have. I mean a
3: go-kart racetrack, not an actual racetrack. Have you been on an actual
2: racetrack? I did it once. Oh <gasps> Tell me everything. I know. It was for an event and it was like an Audi event. And so and you got I to drove race really the fast. Audi. Well, and I you didn't race against other people, but I got to drive it. And I drove it. I mean, the most I got was like 107 miles per hour, which to me, who that's drives a like a grandma was wild. But um, but that was that's that's about it. But I had like a driver who also was like in control of the car. So I don't know if like I was actually driving it. Like if I was just he was just like pretending that I was driving it and making me think that I was going fast. But no, I, for some reason, I thought you and I had also raced a car together or been in a go kart at some point. Well, um,
3: clearly we're not huge adrenaline junkies cuz we would have remembered <laughs> who won and we probably would
2: have been racing for it. But probably um, would have been you. Probably would have been you who would have I been the know. winner. <laughs> well, it makes sense. We've had a lot of adventures together. I mean, we've we've been to both Universal Studios and Disney World together. That's right. And if that's not adrenaline in the heat of summer, you know, of July, just like getting that butterbeer and then going on the Harry Potter ride, like if that's not a wild adrenaline junkie, then I don't know who is. You know so. who is an adrenaline junkie, Candice? <laughs> our guest today.
3: Good guest. <laughs> yes, our guest today. Today, you guys, we have a special
2: treat for you. We are sitting down with Tony Breidinger. In February, she made history as NASCAR's first Arab American female driver when she raced in the Arca Menards series at The Daytona International Speedway, finishing in 18th place out of 33, ahead of two other women who competed. There are about 10 females and more than 150 men racing in NASCAR's various series this year. And she's only 21, guys. She's on fire right now. And we cannot be more excited to sit down with Tony and talk about her racing career.
3: So without further ado, here is our interview with Tody Breidinger. and we are here with Tony Bridinger. Tony, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. I'm excited to talk with you guys. We have been so excited as well. There's so much we want to cover with you. You have accomplished so much already at such a young age, but what I want to do is start at the very beginning because what I love so much about your story is how it began on a simple day, just racing some go-karts with your twin sister and you fell in love. Your father, I guess, bought you a go-kart, only one, and you guys had to share, which didn't go over very well. And then he bought you two and you finally, um, I guess, they gave you a nickname as well right your first day what was it
1: yeah so they called me hot shoe so I thought I was like really good and all this stuff (laughs) and then obviously once you like first get started in something new you're like actually you know normally you're not like the best at it you have to work up to it Mm -hmm. um so they called me hot shoe and at my school that I took I took like a little go-karting school class um I was like all hyped up and then when I did my first actual race I was like oh shoot I'm not (laughs) as good as I thought but I feel like that kind of motivated me more. And I was like, wait, like, I want to work towards this. And I feel like, I feel like how difficult it was is what motivated me. And I was like, wait, this is hard. I like this. It's a challenge. And I feel like that's kind of what really got me into it It was the challenge of it.
2: I'm going to ask a lot of really dumb questions because me and cars just like, I do not speak the car language. My husband gets mad at me all the time because he's just like, how do you not know when to change your oil? And I was like, I don't know. Like, I just, is is that really necessary? And yes, I know it is. But, um, so first of all, where were you living when all of this happened? When, where, where did you grow up?
1: Yeah. So I was born in San Francisco and I was born and raised in the Bay area. Um, so basically when I started racing go-karts, it was at Sonoma Raceway. That was the closest racetrack to us. Um, so that's where it all started. And, um,
2: yeah, it's kind of where it all took place before we started traveling everywhere for races. So are go-karts like bumper cars where there's just like stop and go with Like when I think of go-karts, I think of the fun spot back in Orlando, Florida, where I would maybe race a go-kart or two back in my day. Um, but the whole point of it was like, you try to like you know, as a kid, you're trying to like crash into the other people and go fast. And, and, but it's really easy to, to drive one of those where I feel like the go-karts, maybe you were driving, like in my head, I'm like, are these like stick shift go-karts? Are these like high-end go What, it, what it makes a like professional racing go-kart when you're a kid?
1: Yeah, I would say like a lot of the times when people go go-karting, it's to the indoor go-kart tracks. Um, and it's kind of like electric powered go-karts. So it's a totally different vibe. I feel like a lot of times, like the races that I did, people took it so seriously. Um, and it's kind of crazy looking back at it just to see how seriously some people took it. I mean, to me, every single weekend I was acting like I was racing the Daytona 500 every weekend, which I was, and it was just like a little go-kart race. Um, but everybody was super in it, very competitive. And we raced on these outdoor road courses. Um, and it's crazy because I feel like a lot of the racecraft I learned in go-karts carries over into race cars. Um, so I feel like it's still like a really great way to train. I still go to go-kart tracks to this day just because I feel like it's a great way to keep your mind sharp, but yeah, it's definitely a totally different vibe to what I feel like people kind of picture go-karts being. No,
3: I feel like being, you have to be a really good competitor to be as successful as you are. You have a twin sister. I have to ask, was she your first competition in everything?
1: Oh, definitely. Definitely. Especially with us being twins. I feel like we did everything together. So it was always like, okay, who's going to do this better? Who's going to be better at this? Um, And she was always kind of the more competitive one. I feel like growing up and she's always a little bit kind of stronger than I was. And I feel like go-karts is kind of the equalizer. I was like, okay, now I can get back at her. (laughs) And did you win that first race against her? Um, honestly, I'm trying to think back at it. I don't really entirely remember my first go-kart race. I remember I was very nervous. And just the moment of before the race started just having insane butterflies and be like, Oh, what did I get myself into? Um, but I remember my second go-kart race. I somehow got in second place and I was so excited. I had a lap left and then I crashed, <laughs> but oh, no. I feel like a lot of the times me and my sister qualified next to each other. There was times when we started on the front row together and those were always really cool moments, but Yeah, so many times we're like, we get first and second or finish right next to each other. Um, So I feel like we're always very equal.
2: A lot of times when I hear about racing, um, usually it's a family business, but that's not what it was for you. Your mom was a preschool teacher uh, or is, I don't know if she still is a preschool teacher from Beirut, correct? Correct. Yes. And your father at the time, he was working in construction. Yes, that is correct. So this was a completely kind of left field activity. Um, Mm -hmm. At what point do you think your parents realized like, oh, this went from hobby to like a full on serious, we're going to be driving a lot of places to take our girls to competitions. Uh, When did that shift happen for you?
1: Honestly, ever since I did my first race, I always told my parents, I'm going to be a race car driver. This is what I'm going to do. And I wasn't sure exactly what form of racing I want to do. There's so many different forms of motorsports, Um, but I always told them I'm going to be a race car driver. And I think they thought it was just going to be a phase. I mean, I said so many random things when I was a kid, like, Oh, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. And it was always kind of a phase. Um, but this was the one thing I stuck with. And I think, I think definitely my mom early on knew like, this is what she wants to do. I think my dad didn't realize it until more like high school, I would say, um, and really when I decided to not go to college and pursue this full time, they're like, okay, she's really going to take this seriously. Um, so I think that was kind of the moment where it was, okay, this is not just for fun anymore. She's really going to make the sleep and try to make it her career. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think, you know, even when we were traveling, when we were younger, it was, we were very competitive, competitive. But I think my dad still was like, okay, just for fun. Even though we're kind of going all over the place for it, it was just kind of for fun in
2: a fun way for him to spend time with us what would these competitions look like like I know where I'm going with this is probably the most obnoxious and one of the more common questions you get but as a woman you know where are there girl competitions and boy competitions is it gender specific or when you're younger is everyone just showing up to race I mean I would assume it's predominantly boys that would be racing correct
1: Yeah, racing is definitely male dominated, but they don't separate you by gender or anything. Everybody just races together. It is kind of by age group, especially when you're starting off in go karts. Like when I was first doing it, it's, let's say, five to nine years old. And then when you're 10 to 15, you go in a different class. Um, So there was kind of age groups in a way, um, but nobody was ever separated by gender. Um, But definitely male dominated. A lot of the times I'll be the only female racing like this last race I just did. Um, I was the only female there, but I honestly don't ever really notice it until someone points out I'm like, okay, well, now I notice since you pointed it out. But um, for the most part, I just kind of I don't really notice being the only female out there.
3: You had a great quote when I was researching you. You said, once the helmet's on, I'm just a competitor. And that's such a wonderful way to view it because it really is true. Once the helmet's on, gender doesn't matter. You're just a competitor and you are out there. And um, I feel that competitive nature when we're talking to you. It's really exciting. <laughs> Talk to us about how that feels and what, is, what does that feel like for your mom and sister to have seen you made uh, paving the way for young women and not just here in the States, but worldwide. Yeah,
1: I know. Definitely. I always say, you know, gender is so irrelevant. Once you're on the track, the car doesn't know gender. The track doesn't no gender. Once the helmet's on, I see myself as a driver, just like everyone else. And I think my mom ever since I was younger, she's always told me you're inspiring so many people. What you're doing is different. It's inspiring. Um, but for me, I've been doing this since I was nine. So I'm just doing what I'm doing. I never really saw myself as inspirational or really paving the way. And I feel like this past year is when I kind of realized, Oh, I am making a difference, um, just by getting messages on social media and reading them and hearing from people that what I'm doing is inspiring. And that just inspired me so much more, um, to just represent more and Put myself out there more and i just feel like
2: the better that i do the more i'll help pave the way for others yeah and i mean not just paving the way but making history i mean in february you are nascar's first arab american female driver and speaking mm-hmm. of messages <laughs> speaking of messages that you receive um in probably on various social media accounts are there any that stick out to you that um that you think of you know more often than others that go like wow this this is bigger than, than just me, that this means something like my passion and my drive is also encouraging others to follow their own passion and drive, pun intended.
1: Yeah, no, definitely. Especially when the younger females reach out or the younger Arab girls reach out, that definitely to me kind of just like hits different. I'm like, wow, like just to hear from them that just me being out there racing is inspiring for them to follow their dreams like, obviously I'm doing this for myself, but at the end of the day, I want to be making a difference. I'm also doing it for those little girls, not just for myself. Um, so yeah, just any of those messages before it just, they say that I'm inspiring them, but just to read those really inspires me. You're so brave. I have to tell you, I mean,
3: I'm kind of in the same boat as Candace where car knowledge is not my expertise, obviously, but the idea, just the sheer idea of driving a car stock car, whatever you're driving, race car, whatever, as fast as you can is terrifying. Have there ever (laughs) been moments where you have feared for your life or what has been the worst significant moment you've had so far and any crashes that left you terrified?
1: Actually, recently my worst fear happened, um, which is basically um, your throttle sticking. So kind of like to explain it, it's like, let's say you're going down the straightaway, your throttle just sticks wide open. And you like lift your foot off, the gas is not coming back up. So you're full so you're the throttle. gas is stuck. You're yeah, full throttle. Yeah, stuck driving. full throttle. And obviously at that point, brakes isn't going to do anything. If you're full throttle, you're not going to be stopping. Um, so that actually happened to me recently. And in my 12 years of racing, I've never had that happen. But that's always kind of I feel That's always in the driver's, like the back of your mind. Like, okay, like let's hope my throttle doesn't stick. Because that's kind of the worst case scenario. Because um, obviously you're going fast. You can't stop. Um, so it happened to me recently, but it honestly, it wasn't that bad. I wasn't like concerned for myself or anything. I was just like, okay, how can I make this hurt the car the least? I wasn't concerned for myself. I was just trying to like shut the engine off and do what I could to kind of get the car out in somewhat of one piece in a way. Um, so yeah, that was like my worst year. And I Wait, like, so is that what
3: you do? You shut the engine of the car off?
1: Yeah. So that's is what that you're supposed to do, but it was hard because I was trying to make the turn at the same time. And I couldn't see the switches. So I was like trying to feel for them, but make the turn. And it was, it was a moment, but honestly, like it wasn't that bad. I didn't get scared. I was like, Oh, cool. Like that didn't freak me out or anything. Let's go.
3: (laughs) So you, you, you made the turn and you didn't end up crashing and then the throttle unstuck.
1: No, I did hit the wall, but it wasn't that bad. It was all kind of on the right side of the car. I didn't go ahead and like what most people. Okay, good. <laughs> do.
3: We've so, all seen those crashes. Yeah. yeah. Okay.
1: Um, so I think that was my worst fear. It didn't really freak me out or anything. Um, worst injury wise, I would say when I was in a go-kart, which is kind of funny because you would think like, oh, go-kart. That's like, you know, for like little kids and stuff, how would you get injured? But um, yeah, go-karts are where I got my worst injury. It was just a broken arm though. So it wasn't. Anything too wild or crazy, but
2: I'm like knocking on wood while you're saying all of it. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Start playing some wooden drums over here. Um, (laughs) What does training to become a stock race car driver look like? I the my only context is like watching Talladega Nights or Mm -hmm. watching uh, the Formula One (laughs) series on Netflix. So like, I don't that those are my only. The references that I have, um, and obviously, Talladega yeah. Nights is a joke. Um, but <laughs> what does that look like? You know, I, obviously, you have to be very physically fit. You have to have very quick hand-eye coordination. What does a training day for you entail?
1: Yeah, so I train with a trainer that specifically trains race car drivers. Um, pretty much every single day, Monday through Friday. If I'm not traveling on Friday. Um so basically I go to him every day we work on cardio obviously and your typical strength um just to help with endurance and overall you know upper body strength and all that kind of stuff um but also you know we do neck training which I hate doing but it's important cuz when you're going around those turns with the g forces you have so much pressure you know pushing your head and your neck one way and like you need to keep your head straight and like be able to like look forward and up um so we do neck training um, and also, you know, hand-eye coordination, things for peripheral vision. Um, I'm doing a dirt race this coming weekend. So we'll do things with hand-eye coordination with low contrast stuff and make it hard for me to see, um, just to train me for those dirt races where visibility is really low because you have all this dirt flying in your face. Um, so there's a lot of different little details that we train for and it changes up, you know, depending on the track, if we're going to run on talladega daytona where you're going really fast we're going to work a little bit more on that hand eye coordination and being able to react fast and when you react fast being able to do it precisely um so there's all those little details and also heat training which i hate doing but it gets really hot in the race cars which a lot of people don't realize um so we'll train on like saunas and all that kind
2: of stuff and yeah not fun (laughs) it's all the things you don't think about like you really just think that you just got it's all about like Driving really, really fast and well. Yeah. You know, yeah exactly. I feel like the closest thing that people have to
1: compare it to is like them going down the highway. But it's like such a different vibe to that. Um, so yeah, I feel like that's kind of um one thing that I kind of wish the sport showed more of is like the athletic side of it and how it is difficult because when you're watching us, you're watching, you know, us in the race car, like outside from an outside perspective. So you don't see us like grinding in the race car, sweating and all that kind of stuff so I feel like um just because you can't really see our emotions and what we're going through in the race car kind of makes it look like it's easier than it is do you have like a
2: team like is that is it the same again yeah I I know I'm repetitive but I really don't know much about it so do you have like a team of people you talk to in the microphones who are these like coaches are they like strategy like I always see these people on like the tv but I never know what all of them do have you had these people around you for a while
1: yeah. So I actually recently switched teams midseason. Um, so my entire team just recently changed. So I'm just learning to work with these guys because they are talking to me while I'm racing. So I feel like, you know, communication is really important with them. Um, but yeah, so, so I have a crew chief that helps with strategy um with the race and when to do pit stops and all that kind of stuff with setup. Um, and then I also have a spotter in my ear kind of communicating to me, you know kind of as a coach, but also telling me where other cars are on the track and obviously letting me know, okay, this guy is your outside, this guy is your inside. Um, and every kind of little detail like that. Um, so yeah, you definitely have a bunch of people in your ear, um, which is hard sometimes because obviously you're trying to focus and drive. You have people in your ear asking you questions. You have to respond to them while your heart rates up, while you're trying to hustle and pass this guy in front of you. So it's definitely a lot. (laughs) Is that a
3: huge part of your training as well? practicing answering questions and thinking, you know, I feel like that's two par- two mm-hmm. different parts of your brain, right?
1: Yeah. So what my trainer helps us with is breathing. Um, just so when you're driving, you keep your breathing under control. Cause sometimes like you'll be out of breath or you'll be like death gripping the wheel without realizing it or holding your breath. Cause it's just like so intense. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, that's something I try to work on. Or if I'm going for a run, I'll just like call one of my friends and be like, no, I'm just working on being able to talk with like my heart rate up and all that kind right. of stuff. Um, cause when your team asks you questions, you've got to be able to answer fast because everything happens in split seconds. So if you're taking too long to answer, well, another moment's going to happen, or they need to tell you something else. So you have to be able to just respond and think super fast.
3: You spoke about Daytona and yeah. I know that you went to Daytona first as a spectator and the year before you raced, you watched it and said, I'm going to do yeah. that. Yeah. Now that's, that's an amazing story. Most people that go to Daytona or go to something spectacular could say to themselves, I'm going to do that next year, but then don't end up doing that. So what do you contribute that to? Are you a believer in sort of creating your own reality and setting forth a goal and accomplishing it? Do you feel like that was just destiny? What is it that you attribute to achieving a goal like that in such a short amount of time?
1: Yeah, I think you definitely have to create your own reality and set goals for yourself to help achieve them. And I think it's, you know, I'll set these big goals for myself. And I think it's about setting little goals along the way. Because otherwise, if you just look at the big picture, it's super overwhelming. Um, so if, I feel like for me, that has helped me a lot this year. I'll every morning, I'll write a list of goals and, um, you know, what I want to achieve today, what I, what I want to achieve this week. And I feel like those little baby steps help that big end goal just kind of come together. And then you look back and it's like, wow, like it actually happened. Um, So I definitely think, you know, setting those goals and believing it and just waking up every day and working towards that
2: is kind of what helps everything come together. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back in just a minute
0: Code Buttery. Exclusions apply. See site for details. It's
3: time to get more in 2024. I know for me, one of my goals is to feel really strong this year. And honestly, so far, so good
2: And we're back. Do you have a mentor in racing?
1: Um, So I do have, you know, my team, I use them all as a mentor. I have a lot of um, crew guys and coaches on the team. Um, So for me, I usually just kind of lean on them. I feel like the better relationship that I have with them and can communicate with them, the better we're going to do on track. Um, So I would say, honestly, I have a lot of mentors within my team to kind of help me
2: um, navigate on the track. Is there something that has been the biggest? I mean, obviously, you've had a huge shift in the last couple of years of just your success on the track? And is there a defining moment that, that contributed to that shift in success? Or was it just like all the moments leading up to it?
1: I think it was all the moments leading up to it. I've been working at this for so long and I feel like it's always been an uphill battle and it still is. Um, but feel like this year, everything kind of came together and I was like, wait, like all the struggles, all like the stress and the tears, all that kind of stuff was just, worth it all of a sudden this year. And I was like, okay, cool. You kind of see a little bit of light and just kind of motivates you that much more. Um, but yeah, I've been doing this for a long time now. So I feel like it's a lot of just little moments like leading up to this and just really not giving up. I know it sounds very corny, but really you just have to stick with it.
2: Is there a struggle that that you really hold on or that you remember mm-hmm. more vividly than others of just like, wow, that was a really... <laughs> tough moment. And I, I'm really proud of myself that I, that I kept at it um, whether it was a race or just mm-hmm. multiple races. Um, Cause we obviously see the podium, you know, we see yeah. the finish line, we see the fancy cars and mm-hmm. all the emblems and the advertisers everywhere. And we often don't see um, the, all the in-between moments that is the grind really.
1: Yeah. No, there's definitely been moments where I'm like, wait, is this for me, can I really do this? Can I really achieve this? I feel like everybody kind of has those moments. Um, I think especially when I made that move out to North Carolina, across the country, away from my family, there's been times where I'm like, Oh, did, did I make a mistake? Can I really do this? You know, I just took this big leap and it's scary to do that. So I feel like the past couple of years I've had those little moments and I feel like especially last year, I kind of struggled just with confidence and really knowing where, life was going to take me. I feel like last year was kind of crazy in general for everybody. But yeah, I think just the past couple of years were kind of difficult. And this year was really my year where I think I've had the most confidence. And I feel like everything that's kind of happened was from me getting that confidence and really believing in it. I think it was a lot of little moments leading up to all this, but this year, I really feel like I was the most confident that I've been.
3: That's so great to hear you know, there's so much that goes into training your mind and working towards this and writing down your goals and making sure your confidence is in check and all of that. But what does time off look like for Tony? Cause that's so important. I feel like the time off and letting your brain relax and letting yourself relax is just as important as the work.
1: Yeah. It's funny. Cause my friend came out and visited me last week and they were like, what do you do for fun? I was like, I go to the go-kart track. And they're like, no way. I'm like, no, I literally do. Um, a lot of my friends out here, they're in racing too. So I feel like we all just go to the go-kart track because I feel like that's kind of a way to let loose. And um, obviously it still ties in with the whole racing thing, but it doesn't matter how you do on the go-kart track, it's just kind of for fun. Um, but aside from racing, I would say, you know, aside from the go-kart track and all that stuff, um, just kind of having a day off and just kind of having a chill day. I feel like everything always happens so fast. You know, when you're at the racetrack, everything's happening really fast and all this kind of stuff. You have a lot of people talking to you, like a lot of things that you have to do. So I feel like for me just to like chill for a day, like lay by the pool, just kind of have like a little
2: self-care day is kind of my time off. Yeah. Cause you are full <laughs> throttle when you're in training yes. mode, I'm mm-hmm. sure. Is there anything that you do outside of racing in mm-hmm. that chill time that you feel contributes to becoming a better racer?
1: I thought this kind of circles back to the goal things, but I read a lot of Um, Books and just listen to podcasts this past year that kind of tie in with setting goals and positive mindsets. And I think mindset is everything. I feel like that really just sets the tone for your day and just everything. I feel like if you don't have a positive mindset, good things aren't going to come. You really just have to believe and just have that positive mindset. So I think for me, just listening to podcasts and um, this also kind of circles back to you know surrounding yourself with really good people, positive people that lift you up, good energy. Um, I feel like that's really important too. But yeah, I think just working on that mindset and just whatever it is, I feel like there's so many different things to help lift you up and get a positive mindset. But I think just working um, on little things like that kind of helps you, even though it doesn't really affect your racing directly, it just kind of helps your mental state.
3: It seems like your family really helps you too. And I know moving away from them was a lot and difficult as it is for anyone the first time they really leave their main support system. And I know you speak quite often about how your culture is such a huge part of who you are and you grew up eating a bunch of your mom's great Lebanese food. And I can see how hard that would be to leave. And I know your mom is such a huge inspiration to you. And um, I was going to ask where your motivation comes from, but I think it's safe to say that that's a huge part of it. I mean, Mm -hmm. You speak so often too about how your mom's childhood fuels you to succeed. Um, Can you... Talk to our listeners a little bit about that.
1: Yeah. So uh, my mom was born in Beirut, Lebanon, and she basically came to America to kind of follow that American dream and see what kind of opportunities she could have out here. Um, So for me, like, I feel like a lot of my strength comes from her and just, you know, growing up, seeing how hard she's worked and um, how hard she's worked to help me achieve my dreams. Um, I really, like, I always have her in mind every day that I want to kind of like pay her back and like, you know, make it so I can really... Um, kind of like take care of her and help her with like hernies and like little things like that, because she's really been my biggest supporter. Um, so yeah, definitely. She's my rock, my biggest supporter. Um, that's kind of where I get all my motivation from. If I'm having a bad day, she's definitely the first person to go and lift me up. So yeah, I feel like just, you know, seeing how hard that she's worked and knowing that she didn't get the opportunities that I have, that um, just makes me want to work that much harder for sure.
2: Is there a memorable race that your family's been able to come to recently and just, taking that in of like, Oh my gosh, we're all here. I'm here. They're yeah, here.
1: Honestly, I don't think my entire family's been at a race, like everybody for a while. Um, but I think my, the last race of the season, I'm hoping that my mom could come out and my sister's going to come out my brother and everyone. Um, cause it's been a minute, especially with COVID. I haven't been able to see my mom at any races. Um, I think the last one she won, she was one that I won though. <laughs> so it's good. A good like, <laughs> but She's so dramatic too. I was like, Oh yeah go win and she's like crying and stuff but um yeah I think um in a couple of months my last race of the season
2: I think hopefully everybody can go and that would be really good. Okay, so since you mentioned winning, yeah. I think it's so what when you do win, mm-hmm. what it what do you what what is going through your mind? What is going like what's happening? What how does it feel?
1: Um definitely amazing. I feel like I don't like obviously I soak it in in the moment. But as soon as I'm off victory and I'm like, okay, like, let's get after it. Let's win the next one. What can I do to win the next one? Um, You're only as good as your last race. And I always keep that in my head. Um, So yes, it's good to celebrate and enjoy the moment, but I'm always looking at the next race in mind. Um, So yeah, definitely exciting, but I feel like, okay, it's in the past, like time to focus on the future. Let's go get another win. Um, So yeah, I think it's important to enjoy it, but also not get too
2: caught up in the wins. Cause I would also then ask, what do you tell yourself as someone who also yeah. really, um, makes that effort to have a positive,
1: mm-hmm.
2: uh, just presence every day. Uh, what do you tell yourself when you lose, when you've had a bad race?
1: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's definitely hard. feel like with racing, your odds of winning are a lot less compared to other sports. Not like you have one other team against you or one other person against you, you have 30 other drivers against you. Um, so I feel like racing is a very humbling sport. You get humbled real quick. Um, especially, you know, you might go on a winning streak and then you kind of hit like a low and you get you're like you're high again, you get another low. Um, so it's definitely kind of all over the place. Honestly, anything can happen in a race. Anybody can win. Um, so definitely I feel like you know, having a good group around you, having your team around you is really important. And for me, I set goals every race. Obviously, I want to win. That's always a goal, but I set goals aside from winning. Um, smaller goals and things that I want to work on with myself or my driving. Um, and I feel like as long as I hit those goals at the end of the day, I'm happy because I feel like winning is a combination, obviously, you know, driving good, being fast. It's also a lot of luck at the same time. Um, so I feel like there's other things that are more in control and more in your control that you can do. Um, so for me, I just set other little goals and I feel like that kind of keeps me in a better mood after a race. If it doesn't go the way I wanted.
3: Do you ever have a twin moment with your sister where she understands that you're having a rough day and that you need a little pick me up or that you have with her? If either of you have, um, if she's had a bad time in in school and you've had a bad day during a race, or is there, Mm -hmm. is there any of that sort of intuition that comes
1: into play? Yeah. I mean, I love having my sister at races whenever she's there. I just feel this like comfort. And I feel like, you know, she just gets me and it's so comforting to have her there Um, when I made the switch with my new team, she was at that race and she was at Daytona, which were kind of like two races where I had the most nerves going into it. Um, so I just remember at Daytona, I was so nervous, had all these butterflies. This is my first super speedway I was racing on. Um, and everything was just kind of a blur. And then she showed up and it was just this instant kind of comfort. I was like, okay, I feel way better now that her presence is just here. Um, so definitely I feel like she's just kind of like, very like soothing and comforting. And she knows when I'm nervous, um, and I feel like she just knows the right things to say. I don't need her to say a lot, but she knows the right things mm-hmm. to kind of like come from
2: me. <laughs> yeah. How many race cars are at Daytona?
1: Um, kind of depends. I think we got around like 30 cars or something this year. If you're looking at the cup series, they have more than that. Um, but yeah, like 30 to 40
2: cars. When you're like, before they say go, mm-hmm. it, I mean, what, what do you, are you, do you listen to music? Do you tell yourself <laughs> things? Do you have a mantra? <laughs> Do you like scream in the car really quickly? Like, is there anything that you do right before you hit the gas?
1: Yeah. So I get a lot of butterflies leading up to the race. But once the engine turns on, for me, any sort of butterflies just goes away and I get this just a super focused mindset. Um, so I feel like leading up to the race, yes, there's like butterflies, I'm anxious, all that kind of stuff. But once the engine's on, it's like a flip switches in your head and it's like, okay, let's go. Um, so I feel like for me, I just get very focused as soon as we're out there on the track.
3: You are so focused and <laughs> so driven for a 21 year old. I'm in awe. What advice do you have for we have a lot of younger listeners on this podcast. So what advice do you have for girls that are your age or younger or older that are like, wow, in awe of how uh, you've been able to accomplish so much already and um, kind of what's your
1: philosophy and sort of your
3: secret to life? Because obviously you're killing it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Um, I feel like I have so many different pieces of advice. I think the biggest thing is, you know, I feel like people can be their own worst enemy. So just have that confidence in yourself. Um, Because especially if you're chasing a dream that's kind of out of the norm or um, kind of just not what others around you are doing, I feel you might not receive that support from other people. So just have that confidence in yourself that you can do it. Um, and be the first you don't feel like you have to follow what other people are doing or, you know, fit in this certain norm. Um, yeah, just like be the first you and have a confidence in yourself um, to go and do that.
2: Yeah, I realized when I was asking the mentor question, like as you were answering, I know, obviously, there are other people there. And um, I'm sure a m- bunch of people you've worked with or alongside who have given you support and great sage mm-hmm. advice but I wanted to almost answer for you and be like, I think you're your own mentor. Like <laughs> you kind of had to be. yeah. And you've done a really great job at it. Thank you. <laughs> what are your goals? What, what's, what's next? What is the ultimate?
1: Ultimate racing goal, I would say, is get to the NASCAR Cup Series, which obviously it's going to take a few years to get there. It's kind of like my five-year plan. Um, but yeah, I mean, I set goals for every year, every month, every race. So I have these smaller goals and then I have these bigger goals in mind and I also have goals that I want to achieve outside of racing. I just want to be successful in like different aspects of life and kind of pursue some things outside of racing. I'm not fully sure what I want to do yet. Um, but I think it's important just to follow like your passions and just be successful in whatever you're passionate about. Um, but yeah, definitely my biggest racing goal is to get to the cup series and, you know, be competitive and successful. I don't want to just be racing and to be racing and I want to be racing for wins.
2: Well, I know that you've had um, no shortage of incredible companies want to work with you and partner with you. So I <laughs> can imagine you will just rock whatever kind of brand or business or anything you would want to start up in the future. <laughs> I'm sure this is not a hilarious thing to you, um, but you've had to laugh it off a trillion times. Um, you mentioned in an interview that one of the top comments you get is that you're just a model trying to be a race car driver. And where I was going with that was, you know, obviously, whatever you end up wanting to do, you know, alongside or beyond racing, as far as a startup or starting your own brand or business, you're just going to rock. There's not a doubt in my mind. But um, I feel like anyone who would say that to you is obviously just insanely jealous of the sponsors that you have, because that's the whole thing of racing mm-hmm. is like working with companies and having them sponsor your team. Right. Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, racing is a pay-to-play sport. I
1: mean, unless you get those sponsorships, then you're not going to go racing. So I feel like it's kind of a cycle of, you know, obviously getting those partnerships that, you know, you can work well with, and then you got to go racing. And I feel like people don't always get that concept. And that's probably like, I get that comment. So often I'm like, even if I was a model who races, like, who cares? Like, I don't, right. think model. <laughs> but even if I was like, what's like the situation with that? Like, why can't you do both? Um, and I've done like a little bit of modeling, which has worked out because, you know, I, we just partnered with three people's FP movement and I was in their campaign. So yes, that involves modeling, but they're also on my race card and it ties into racing. Um, but even if it didn't like, so I'm going to like, go do me kind of thing. Um, but yeah, I don't know why people try to hate on people that try to do things outside of racing. You know, especially if it's trying to, you know, helps my career. It's like this is all kind of working together here. Just because it's not the typical doesn't mean it's bad. It's like, do you feel like it's gender specific? Because oh, for sure. Uh, if if a male was handsome and in some sort of
3: campaign, I don't think anyone would think twice about it. But yeah. there's something about you being a beautiful woman that they're that they're quote. Typecasting you almost as like a model that wants to be a race car driver, which you are a hundred percent correct in your mentality. And I'm so glad that you at 21 have such a wonderful um hold on all of this.
1: Yeah, I know. I mean, I've had people say that before I ever even did any modeling, just pictures of me sitting in my race car before I go out to practice. They're like, You're trying to be a model. I'm like, no, I'm just literally just sitting here waiting to go out to practice, like just random little moments like that. And I think it's definitely gender specific. I've never heard. And mail get that comment before it's always well and thing. so what if you're trying to
3: look good while taking a picture? Everyone yeah. always yeah. wants to look good when they know they're taking a picture. Yeah. End of <laughs> exactly. story.
2: Exactly. <laughs> we're gonna take a quick break. We'll be right back in just a minute. And we're back. Do you have a name for your car? I told you I was gonna ask some dumb questions. I feel like it's been a while. So um, do you have a name?
1: I actually don't. So we kind of switch cars depending on the racetrack. So right now for this weekend, I'm going to be racing my dirt car. And then next race is going to be our intermediate car for the mile and a half tracks. So we always kind of switch cars out a little bit. Um, this one's funny. It has like little teeth on the grill. My crew chief put that on there. Um, so maybe I'll, I could come up with a name with that little teeth on the grill or something like that. But, um, I don't really
2: have names or anything, but maybe I should. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. do you have any like lucky things that you do? Are there any like habits or bad luck things like you know you don't you're not supposed to bring a banana on a boat is there anything like that with like a racetrack
1: yeah so there's a few things that i don't necessarily follow um but you know don't have peanuts in the garage people will actually get mad don't be eating peanuts next to the race cars um and i also heard that green on a race car is bad luck um so i always try to stay away from green on race cars yeah kind of random i don't necessarily follow them but Yeah. If you're ever at a NASCAR race, don't be eating peanuts. Somebody's going to say something. (laughs) Yeah, That
2: is so interesting. Yeah. It's a little, yeah, it's It's different. (laughs) I know this is a really obnoxious question and I should know the answer from researching, but are there other women in your class of race car drivers? I think you're one of four, right?
1: Yeah. So um, NASCAR has different levels. So, in every level, there's at least one female competing. Um, this is out of like the four levels. Um, there's nobody in the top level, which is NASCAR series. Um, I do have a female teammate. I haven't raced against her directly yet. We've been doing different races. Um, but the races that I compete in, sometimes I'm the only female. Sometimes there's a couple other girls. Um, it's definitely male dominated, but there's a few of us and there's a lot of younger girls coming up. So it's exciting to see that too. Are you guys friends? Um, yeah. So I try to be friends with all the girls in the sport. I think it's important for us to lift each other up. Um, to be honest, some of them kind of get competitive and I feel like because it's male dominated, some girls have tendencies to still want to have like that spotlight and be like, Oh, she's the only girl and all that kind of stuff. But I'm like, that's so stupid. That's lame. Like why be competitive? Like let's lift each other up, get more girls in the
2: sport. Um, so for me, I try to be friends with everybody. I know, are there organizations or camps or clubs of young race car, specifically maybe for like young women? Like I have a five-year-old. So if like, if there was any thing that you know of where you're like, oh yeah, there's this great organization where they encourage young girls to come and learn how to race. Yeah, I would say the
1: closest thing to that would be NASCAR's Drive for Diversity program. Um, there isn't anybody super young in it and it's a mixture Um of females and males in it. Um, but I do feel like there needs to be something more geared towards younger females for sure. Cause I feel like we're
2: lacking in that a little bit. Let's start it. Yeah. Let's, let's get, do let's, it guys. Do it. Yeah. Let's do it. Okay. Another silly question I have is that I've been wondering is, was it really bizarre getting your driver's license? Were you like? Ugh, Can you just give me my license? I already know what I'm doing.
1: So the hardest thing for me when I was getting my license was in a race car, I break with my left foot. And it was weird when I was taking, when I first got in a, like a normal car, I wanted to break my left foot. Like I've been doing that since I was nine. And my driving instructor was like, no, you can't do that. You're going to, you're not going to pass your test if you do that. So I think for me, that was a weird thing to transition over to now. It's like, fine. I just like switch. Um, but yeah, when I first got in a real car, I didn't realize they're going to call me out for that. Like, Oh, I didn't know that was even a thing. I
2: was like, why does that matter? Like, <laughs> but, yeah, I can't imagine being in your parents positions yeah. being like, hold on break. You're going too fast. And yeah. you being like, you're like, no, I, I know what I'm an actual race car driver. Yeah, mom and dad. Under control guys. <laughs> Lay off. Yeah. I know what I'm doing.
1: Exactly. But yeah, no, I feel like I kind of knew obviously how to work like a car and stuff, but I'm um, still bad with like directions to this day. That's why I always joke. Oh, it's a good thing that I only turn left because terrible with directions. <laughs> terrible.
2: <laughs> we aren't, we aren't. We're really good at directions. We know exactly we're, <laughs> where we're going in our life we're at, not all challenged at all times. We're challenged
3: <laughs> well tony you have been such a delight to talk to and truly you're such an inspiration is there a last little thought you want to leave our listeners with um to help them in life because clearly you've got it all figured out
1: yeah i mean i'm working on it don't have it all mm-hmm. figured out but i think the biggest thing for me is be the first few i think that's kind of um what i try to remind myself every day um it's easy to feel weird or uncomfortable sure. with you know being the only one doing something or doing something out of the norm, but be the first. You don't feel like you have to go copy everyone else. Yeah. My <laughs> I love it. Well, thank you so much for
3: sitting down with us and sharing you. all your insight. We've really enjoyed meeting you.
2: Thank you. Where can our listeners follow you on social media? Ooh, I feel like I'm on every single social media
1: platform, Triller, Instagram, Snapchat, Facebook, YouTube. I think i'm on it all it's all my name so you type in tony bright and girl probably pop up so yeah
3: <laughs> sounds good
2: I just love hearing about the dedication that it takes to become a race car driver. I mean, I really, you don't, I don't know anything about racing. I don't know how to drive stick shift. I still don't know which side I'm supposed to put the gas in. I always pull up on the wrong side of my car. I'm just not a car person. Um, but talking to Tony and hearing her passion that she has for her sport and the respect that she has for her mm-hmm. sport. It's just, it's a, it's, really cool to learn about something that i just i didn't i knew nothing about her advice was
3: so uplifting and she's such a positive person and so dedicated the the fact that she lists her goals for the day and then lists her goals for the week and all of that i admire so much how driven she is and candace you're right pun intended but how (laughs) driven she is in her life and um I just think that it it must require that much drive to be that successful at such a young age.
2: Yeah, I mean, you've got a lot of power just at your hands around that racetrack. It's wild. I mean, I can't imagine being my own age and driving that fast around a racetrack, I <laughs> alone, like when you think of a 21 year old and just the responsibility she has not only to herself, but to the other drivers around her. It's such an interesting uh, sport that I think I will pay attention to uh, in a different way moving forward. You know, what else I love is how much her mom inspires
3: her, you know, it's, and, and I know you had said, her that she's her own mentor i also think her mom is one of her mentors because her mom growing up where she was moving to the states trying to find that american dream and providing the best life for her daughter and her daughter just taking it and running with it it's just such a lovely lovely way to um they just seem like they have a really good mother-daughter relationship too and her relationship with her sister. It's just a lovely family dynamic they have going. It feels like she has a lot of support behind her, which I think makes a big difference.
2: You know how in the Olympics they have like all the time, like leading up to the Olympics, you get to learn about the athletes and their it's like my family stories. It's my favorite part. I feel like they need to do this for all sports. That's like a great idea. Sports like right now, Joe and I are watching hard knocks. So we're like, it's all about the Dallas Cowboys this year. And I was just like, I wish they would do this before every single football game and I'd watch them all like Mm -hmm. I'd be so dedicated. But now I'm like, all sports need this because after talking to Tony, I'm like, I got to get into stock car racing. Like, I got to start watching these races because I need to see how Tony's doing. And I need to see like her waving to her sister and her mom in the stands. And like, I'm I'm invested. I know. I
3: definitely want to tune into her last race where she's hoping her whole family comes because especially after the pandemic, she moved away from them, lived on her own. She's focusing on her training. And I just want to see that family reunion at her last race that hopefully she wins. I mean, this is a movie in the
2: making. We're making it right now. That's what I'm saying. I would watch. This is what needs to be the new reality show is just like getting to know these athletes. And this is coming from a huge Housewives
3: fan. So that says a lot.
2: Yes. (laughs) but it's true. It's like when, when you, you know, it's exactly what Tony was saying that, you know, people don't see the training that goes into the sport. And when she's talking about, she's literally doing training in, in like sweat lodges. So, cause she gets so overheated and when she's driving inside the car and she's even working on something as simple as being able to talk when she's out of breath and running on high adrenaline, because she knows that in within that second um the weight of the world is literally on her shoulders and not just dependent on her but just even the again keeping the other drivers around her safe while she's trying to accomplish this goal i mean it's uh you just have a whole new perspective on on what a sport can be yeah. and and it's been interesting to see athletes and how they've you know walked through this pandemic i mean when their entire career is is training and going to matches or races or sporting events and games. And then all of a sudden, all of that is taken away. Like your Mm -hmm. whole identity is taken away. And to hear Tony say that, you know, she used that time to really start paying attention to what her goals were and, and being more goal oriented and and seeing the reflection of that in her races on the other side of the pandemic um, just goes to show that, you know, at, athletics and is not only what you physically are, are capable of, but it's such a mental game as well. And how she just kind of kept going back into it's what it's, what's in your mind. It's that power of positivity and, and, um, and really focusing in on those little steps, you know, it's, it's all really important, just life lessons that we can take. It's so true.
3: Her athlete's mindset is key. And um, you're right. We can all implement it into our lives. Well, we hope you guys are just as inspired by Tony as we are and enjoyed listening to this episode. We have another great episode coming for you next week. Until then, take care and we'll see you soon.
2: Directionally Challenged is a production of Pineapple Productions. Producer, Melissa Demonts. Post-production sound by Chris Henry. Music by Joe King. And advertising partnership with Acast.